What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
And I'm back. Happy Monday, everybody. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Uh, I have missed you guys so much. It's been about two and a half weeks since I was last on the air. I had an amazing vacation. I went to so many places on the East Coast. I went to Boston. I went to New York City. I went to Philadelphia. I went to Atlantic City. Uh, I went to Memphis. I went to Niagara Falls. And uh, I went to Washington, D.C. for Trump's big 4th of July event. And it was unbelievable. It was absolutely out of this world surreal. Everything you could ever ask for. uh, Nothing that you said, nothing that I've ever seen. Uh, in D.C. history. Uh, definitely the biggest fireworks show ever uh, in D.C. And, uh, just, you know, just the fact that he spent over an hour, you know, speaking to all of us on uh, on that holiday, taking time away from his family and, you know, uh, just giving, giving uh, you know, all his energy uh, towards America. It really was a beautiful thing. We don't we don't really see past leaders like, like this, you know, make these sort of commitments. So uh, definitely uh, – something very special, to, to say the least. Uh, but you guys, I, I, the trip was amazing. All these different places on the East Coast I haven't seen and uh, getting to experience them and, you know, uh, explore the culture and, and the different, uh, obviously, uh, amazing attractions that these places have to offer. I will say, though, uh, it is, it's one hell of a drive. You know, it's, uh, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's like two to three days just from – where I am in Arizona to get to D.C., so you guys can imagine uh, all the all the driving. But uh, I definitely don't regret it. It is a blast. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to be able to explore all different parts of our country and you know see what what we're missing and, and what we've you know what uh, what we what, what we're missing and then what we haven't uh, you know seen. I mean, it's just it's it's cool because this state is unlimited. I mean, it just there's so so much to see. I will tell you that. Uh, Guys, 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 you know how I, I said to everybody when I, when I was going on vacation a few weeks ago, uh, how, I, how I wasn't know what, I didn't know what I was going to do, you know, not having radio in my life, uh, you know, for two and a half weeks. I mean, it, you know, I was so used to being on the air, uh, you, know, air you know, multiple times a week, and, and it becomes a routine for me. It becomes a pattern. So I'm one of those people where I definitely like structure in my life, and it, it strongly benefits me, and it always has. Uh, but, guys, there were so many times I wanted to get back on that radio when I was on my trip and, and get on there and, and talk with all of you. And then I was going nuts at certain points because, you know, I'm so used to it. And uh, excuse me if I, if I have a, I have a bad uh, nasal issues and, and a cold right now. So if I'm sniffling a little bit, excuse me for that. But uh, I will say, uh, you know, uh, being um, seeing the stuff I saw in Washington, D.C., mind-blowing. I mean, I, I saw some things that are just out of this world, and, and you know, the, the way they the way they do things over there, um, it, it, it's very interesting. Um, I want to I wanna also mention uh, a bunch of things like I do every episode. I want to thank all my audience, my sponsors, my co-hosts, and, and my guests. Uh, you guys are all incredible, and the show uh, is just doing fantastic. Uh, we're listened to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And as everybody knows, um, we will be uh, launching this big, huge network. Uh, and and we'll be, we already have about 80 to 85% of the show slots filled with uh, 
notable and, uh, you know, big, big time uh, hosts and stuff that, uh, you know, I'm glad to bring, bring to the network. And then, you know, most of the people obviously will be in the USA doing, doing their shows, but we'll also be having guests that are overseas. So when it's, like I said, when it's the middle of the night here, uh, you'll be having the guests from overseas doing their shows because this is a 24 seven network. And, uh, as, as you all know, and I've mentioned it before, uh, America's toughest sheriff, Joe Arpaio, good friend of mine, uh, and my mentor, uh, he will be the face of this network. Uh, Arpaio will be uh, him. He'll be the face of it, as well as my good friend Robert Spencer, who uh, is the director of Jihad Watch. And both of those guys have millions of followers, and they've been in the industry for a very long time, and uh, we're very excited to, to bring them aboard. And, and I, do, I do want to mention, you know, the fact that uh, I have said – you know, this should be ready here, like, early August. Uh, you know, we, we are we are going to need to extend it out a little bit. I would say more towards September. Probably the first or second week of September is what we're looking like, looking at right now, uh, just because of uh, a, few, a few things with, you know, uh, scheduling and putting things together. And, um, you know, there, there's just some things that we're, we're not uh, completely caught up on, but we're, we're making sure that that is taken care of. So, Guys, I know I said early August, but it's going to be like early September now, which is not is not bad timing at all. Because I mean, we're still in that you know good uh, good zone of uh, the political season just starting. So we're we're, we're making really good uh, progress and timing for this. So I don't think it's uh, anything of a of a stretch or a worry. Um, I also want to, I, we we got to get into a lot of stuff. I want to introduce my co-hosts. Uh, I do want to mention though, uh, big news out today in the papers. Uh, Joe Arpaio, uh, and I talked to him the other day after I after I read this report the other day, and there was another report out today. Uh, but uh, there's billboards around Arizona asking him to run for sheriff again in 2020. One last dance, have him do one one more one more uh, you know uh, term, come back, you know, re- regain his seat, and uh, go out with a with a strong uh, with a, with a strong bang. Go out with you know go out the right way. You know, because obviously we know that George Soros and the Democrats came after him wrongly and the Obama administration in 2016, just like a few days or a week before the election, which caused him to, uh, you know, lose. Otherwise, he would have won by a very comfortable margin. But you had Soros dumping millions uh, into Penzo's, Penzone's campaign, which was the Democrat that won. And you had the, don't forget, guys, the, the, the phony misdemeanor uh, contempt of court. Uh, that they came after our pile for the Obama admin just to just to try to stop him from winning. It's terrible, it's terrible stuff. So you know this is I think this is a great this is a great uh, way to end a legacy. Come back, you know, finish it off, be with President Trump and help him with immigration for the next four years until Trump's done, and you know that'll be that'll be your that'll be one term, or maybe maybe our pile will be do a second term. It all depends how he feels. But as far as I know right now, and, and what I what I've heard. Uh, you know, there's an 80% chance, and it, I mean, he's, he seems almost confident and positive that he's going to do it. Obviously, nothing's completely official until he announces. Uh, but I will say, I, I think that with his background and with everything he's proven in his career, uh, he, he'll get this victory. I mean, pe- people are awake. Uh, the Trump movement is 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 amazing right now and on on a roll. And uh, we all know Arpaio has been with Trump since day one. And that was the first person Trump parted. And also a fun fact, uh, they also have the same birthday. Imagine that, guys. Same agenda, same personality, same birthday. Cool stuff. It's cool stuff. 
I do want to welcome to the show. Uh, I do believe I have him on right now. Uh, retired police chief, homicide detective, and activist, Michael Halsey. Michael, how are you? Very good, Roy. How are you? I'm glad you had an enjoyable vacation. That is one long drive from where you are all the way to the East Coast. I've made it from where it, I am, and it's a long drive from here. Yeah, no, it, oh, it, it absolutely is. It, it absolutely is. And, uh, it, you know, it's, there's, a, there's definitely a lot, though, a lot of scenery, a lot of stuff to see. Uh, definitely you know, tiring, just, though, I'll tell you. There's just so much to see in the United States. I mean, I went out of the country the last two summers, you know, and this year I haven't really planned anything yet. But there's just so much in the United States to see and, and a lot of worthwhile places to visit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Michael. Um, great to have you here. Uh, I also want to welcome uh, founder of College Republicans United, founder of Republicans United, and currently the leader of Nationalists United, Kevin Dukeiper. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing very well, Rory. I hope you and your listeners are too. And it's another great week to be an American under the Trump administration. I mean, we have deportations have begun. We have more pedophiles being locked up than ever in history. Trump is following through with all of his campaign promises, and I see nothing in the way of him getting reelected. So it makes me a very proud American. Absolutely, my friend. Absolutely. Uh, let's let's also welcome to the show. Uh, ISIS escapee, radical Islam expert, activist, and best-selling author, IQ Al-Razuli. IQ, welcome. How are you? Very well, thanks, and good to have you back. Thank you, my friend. Great to have you here. Um, everybody, I want, I want to get into the opening story. Uh, obviously, it's, a, it's, you know, kind of a, it's a variety of things, but it's kind of, you know, put into one. It really is. And, guys, I didn't say at the beginning of the show, I need to tell my audience, uh, if you missed any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, please visit our media site, thenextnexgenusa.com. Okay, now that that's taken care of. Um, so we're seeing everything that's going on right now. We're seeing everything that's going on with, with the Democrats obstructing, with President Trump trying to make a better America for us. For us. But every time he does something, they pick, pick, pick. He sips his water bottle wrong. They pick, pick, pick. He takes a shit wrong. They'll make a story out of it. They'll make headline news out of anything that this guy does. I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter. And I've said this many times. He could cure AIDS. He could cure cancer. He could cure diabetes. He could cure everything on the face of the earth. And they would say, oh, well, what about this? Oh, well, that's not good enough. And you know what? Trump probably, you know, they would make something. They would say, oh, Trump cheated to do that. You know, he, he didn't really do it. There was some, I, this is how they spin it. I mean, even when he does something, they don't give him credit. They say, oh, well, he didn't really do that. I mean, it's, it's just like none. It's no ever accountability from the left, ever. It's pathetic. I mean, these people are children. These people are children. And, you know, we're looking at what's going on right now. You know, we have the asylum seekers at the southern border. Uh, I mean, the numbers right now, of, you know, of what these people are doing and taking advantage of the system is disgusting and disgraceful. I mean, I, I think I read illegal immigration is now it's up to like 300% or something. And these are not, these are not, at least most of them are not innocent children. Or, or, you know, families trying to come over. These are grown-ass men 
and half of them have records. Half of them have records, everybody, and I'm, I'm not making that up. I mean, yeah, you know what, I'm not going to generalize, you know, and say all these people are bad because that's just not the fact. You know, there's a lot of good that's coming, but I would say probably I think the bad outweighs the good in a lot of ways. But, you know, I go back and forth on that. I don't know. Sometimes sometimes I think that there's more good than bad. But, but after so many of the reports I see, I, I lean more to more bad than good. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing the ice rays. I mean, you, you have – listen to how silly this sounds. You have voters on the left begging to keep these people in America, begging to keep illegals here. And, and I'm not kidding you. They're saying stuff on social media – Quote, unquote, protect our illegal immigrants. Does anybody see the, what's wrong with, with, with how they're phrased? Look, look at how they're phrasing it. Protect our illegal immigrants. These, these people don't understand law and order, the left. They don't, they don't care. They're entitled. You know, they play this whole oppression and victim stance bullshit that has no merit, and it totally – gets laughed at because they just sound like little children. And if you really want them here, why don't you take them into your house? Why don't you pay for them? It's very easy for you to sit back on the sidelines and make your little, you know, peanut gallery commentary. But once you have to deal with them, I guarantee you, you're not going to be begging for them to stay in our country. And how, how, how pathetic is it, Democrats? that you have American people on the street, homeless, and they get separated from their families every single day, and you don't fight for them. But you want to fight for second-class citizens that broke the law to get here? I mean, the, 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 the ideology in our society and how backwards it is at this point should scare the hell out of anybody. And like I've said many times, at least the Democratic Party at one point was something of substance. At this point, they're nothing except communism tactics, enabling the lazy, giving away taxpayer money to people that don't work, free health care to illegal aliens, reparations, generalizing blacks, putting them in boxes, and the race, the race baiting, man, the race baiting really gets old. I mean, that, that's the worst of the worst. When you go down that route and you're that pathetic, I mean, you know, I, I feel bad for I feel bad because this is this is what they're resorting to. And this whole 2020 census question, they're trying to say that's racist by Trump implementing that. What the hell? You are you telling me, guys, the, on the left, that you don't want to know who's living in your country? You don't you don't want you you just want people to come through as they please. I mean, you got you guys are harboring harboring criminals by enabling their behavior to stay here illegally. And I think it is important, and I think it's a necessity that we know the difference between how many illegals are in this country and how many American citizens are in this country for many different reasons. I mean, because – and you have – and these are, these are people voting in our elections, which is scary. It is scary stuff what we're dealing with right now. You know, I, I, you know, and we're, there was just a report out the other day that, you know, um, deporting these illegals will save taxpayers billions with a B of dollars. 
They, it will, and, and you know what? The reason Democrats don't care is because they, they, they have feelings over facts. You know, they, they don't, and they, a lot of them don't even have to pay, pay the debt and, and pay, the, pay the toll for these people. A lot of them, you know, are, are uh, I mean, let's just say they're not as hardworking or successful as conservatives. We know that. I mean, that, that's, that's a given. Um, you know, and, you know, just all of this, though. And, and you know, we, we just saw the government sneaky, in a sneaky way, give $500 million for jobs in Mexico. They're giving $500 million to, Mex- to Mexico to try to re- replace Mexico's economy, which is, which is never, never going to work. And then apparently they said that they have to pay it back. Um, Mexico has to pay it back to the U.S., but I don't think that's ever going to happen. When, when have they ever paid us anything back? And just all the entitlement, guys, all the entitlement, it never ends. I mean, we, we, we just saw at the ICE facility this past weekend. The, the, you know, they replaced the American flag with the Mexican flag. What are we living in? We're living in a freaking twilight zone. We're having invaders, illegals coming into our country, replacing our flag with theirs. Who the hell are we? It's sick, it's sad, and, you know, it, it doesn't end. And, you know, President Trump is getting backfired today and, and getting harassed because he sent out a tweet basically saying the truth of what, everything that's going on with the left and how they don't appreciate our country. And if they're not happy, then get the hell out. If you're going to keep complaining, if you're going to keep whining and disrespecting our country and saying how all this stuff is wrong with it, why the hell are you still here? Why? I mean, you guys keep going on and on. You want to create problems. And you want to create this division. The left are the real fascists. It's nobody else but the left. And you have people like Nancy Pelosi with the nerve to come out after Trump defended her and now Pelosi saying Trump, Trump made a race a racist comment when everybody knows with a brain that Trump didn't say anything racist, uh, you know, in regards to this. This was basically uh, a message that was very firm and direct telling these people, have respect for our country. You know, don't, don't put us down. And if you don't like it, get the, get the hell out. It's very, very simple. Uh, I want to play a crazy AOC clip. Uh, what she said about the president in this matter, God, every time she opens her mouth, I tell you, you know, she's uh, she's dumber than a fucking. I I don't even I I can't even I can't even give a uh, an example of. I mean, this woman is the the lowest of all low. But let's uh, let's hear this. You know, let's hear Trump's re- reaction. Uh, one four. When I was a little girl. My father took me to the reflecting pool here. We were on a road trip from New York to Florida to visit family. And I've told this story before, but it was my first time ever visiting Washington, D.C. And it was my only time visiting Washington, D.C. for years, if not decades. And he rested me on the side of the reflecting pool and had my toes dip in the water, and he had me look at the Washington Monument, had me look at the Capitol, had me look at the entirety of 
the capital of our, of our great country. And he looked at everything and he pointed to all of it and he said, this belongs to all of us. This belongs to you and it belongs to me. And so the first note that I want to tell children across this country is that no matter what the president says, this country belongs to you. And it belongs to everyone. And today, that notion, that very notion was challenged. This weekend, that very notion was challenged. So I am not surprised when, a, when the president says that four sitting members of Congress should, quote, go back to their own country when he has authorized raids without warrants on thousands of families across this country. I am not surprised that he used, uses the rhetoric that he does when he violates international human rights and takes thousands of children away from their families. I am not surprised that he has turned our public education system under the leadership of Betsy DeVos into a cash cow to enrich himself and his friends. I am not surprised when he corrupts via the Secretary of Transportation. I am not surprised at what he's doing. But I also know that we're focused on making it better because we don't leave the things that we love. And when we love this country, what that means is that we propose the solutions to fix it. We love all people in this country, and that's why we believe health care is a human right. We, we love all children in this country, and because we do, that's why we fight for education for all children through college. And so we'll stay focused on our agenda, and we won't get caught slipping, because all of this is a distraction. It's a distraction from what's most important and from our core values as American citizens. Oh, my God. I mean, what part of illegal do these people not understand? If you break into a country, in other countries usually, they'll shoot you. We're the most generous country on earth. We just welcome people in. We give them food. We give them beds. You know, all these lies about how these people, how these illegals are treated badly at these facilities, I mean, they, they, it's, it's like the, they shouldn't be able to get, they shouldn't get away the Democrats with telling these lies because we all know these illegals are getting treated better than some first-class citizens in our country. There's people homeless on our streets. Our own people can't even, a lot of them can't even get taken care of. But illegals are getting, get, are getting taken care of in, the, in these places. And the fact that, you know, anybody is having an issue with ICE raids, you know, it, it, I mean, there, there shouldn't be any issue. These people are breaking the law. They're in our country illegally. If you go into Disney, if you sneak into Disneyland, do they let you stay? No, they don't. If you go anywhere without buying a ticket or paying for the services, do they let you stay? Can you just walk into a hotel and not pay? No. This is all about following the laws. You know, if, if, if Democrats really want them here so bad and they want to protect them from ICE, then take the doors off your front door and let them all come into your house. I'm tired of the hypocrisy and the idiocy and the disrespect and, and lack of, lack of um, courtesy people have for taxpayers, especially on the left. It's disgusting. But let's play this, though. Uh, Trump uh, responds to, uh, you know, the loony left trying to accuse him of racist comments. Uh, one four. 
the president of the United States at the White House at his uh, America Products meeting is now taking questions from the media. Let's watch. Well, that's just a very racist statement. Somebody that would say that. So Speaker Pelosi said, make America white again. Let me tell you, that's a very racist. That's a very racist statement. I'm surprised she'd say that. John, go ahead. Going back to fix the problems, what were you talking about? Well, they're very unhappy. I'm watching them. All they do is complain. So all I'm saying is if they want to leave, they can leave, John. They can leave. I mean, I look at the one, I look at Omar. I don't know. I never met her. I hear the way she talks about Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda has killed many Americans. She said, you can hold your chest out. You can, when I think of America, huh? When I think of Al-Qaeda, I can hold my chest out. When she talked about the World Trade Center being knocked down, some people, you remember the famous some people. Uh, these are people that, in my opinion, hate our country. Now, you can say what you want, but get a list of all of the statements they've made. And all I'm saying that if they're not happy here, they can leave. They can leave. And you know what? I'm, I'm sure that there'll be many people that won't miss them. But they have to love, they have to love our country. They're Congress people, and I never used any names. Are you but okay these are people quiet, quiet, are quiet, quiet. Are you okay with quiet. your tweets are racist, sir? <laughs> quiet. These I'm are people that if they don't like it here, they can leave. Oh. And I'd be, I'd, I don't know who's going to miss them, but I guess some people will. Oh. One of them is polling. One of them is polling at eight. One of them is polling at eight percent. One of them is calling at 8%. So when, when I hear people speaking about how wonderful Al-Qaeda is, when I hear people talking about some people, some people with the World Trade Center, some people, no, not some people, much more than some people, when I hear the statements that they've made, and in one case you have somebody that comes from Somalia, which is a failed government, a failed state, who left Somalia, who ultimately came here, and now is a congresswoman who's never happy, says horrible things about Israel, hates Israel, hates Jews, hates Jews. It's very simple. And if the Democrats want to wrap their bows around this group of four people, one of them kept Amazon out of New York, tens of thousands of jobs, would have been a great thing. And she kept Amazon from going, would have been a good deal. I mean, could he have made better, maybe? but tens of thousands of jobs, and New York has not been the same since that happened. It's really hurt New York and New York City. Amazon was going to go. They were going to relocate a major section of their business in New York. She kept them out. That was a terrible thing she did, a terrible te thing she did. So here's the story. Here's the story. I see them complaining. They're complaining constantly. I watched Lindsey Graham today on Fox and Friends talking about uh, the same subject, and frankly, uh, even stronger than what I'm saying. He said they're communists. I'm saying, I'm saying that they're socialists, definitely. As to whether or not they're communists, I would think they might be. But this isn't what our country is about. Nevertheless, they're free to leave if they want. And if they want to leave, that's fine. And if they want to stay, that's fine. But the people have to know. And politicians can't be afraid to take them on. A politician that hears somebody where we're at war with Al-Qaeda, 
and see somebody talking about how great Al-Qaeda is, pick out her statement, that was Omar, how great Al-Qaeda is, when you hear that, and we're losing great soldiers to Al-Qaeda, when you see the World Trade Center gets knocked down, and you see the statements made about the World Trade Center, all the death and destruction, I'll tell you what, I'm not happy with them. And it's very easy to be say, oh, gee, well, it's okay. If, the, if weak politicians want to say, and the Democrats in this case, if they want to gear their wagons around these four people, I think they're going to have a very tough election, because I don't think the people of the United States will stand for it. Mr. President? Mr. President? Mr. President? Mr. President? President. John, go ahead. Mr. Mr. President, let go me, ahead, John. Let, let me see if I can sum up sort of what people talk about here. Does it concern you that that tweet was seen as racist? Lindsey Graham said, encouraged you to aim higher. And does it trouble no, you? He didn't say about that. He just said, don't go. See, I disagree with Lindsey. Uh, okay, but can I He's finish? a congressman. Right. What am I supposed to do? Just wait for senators? No. And, and does He's it, a four. So I disagree with Lindsey okay. on that. That was the only thing. Right. He said, aim higher. Shoot higher. What am I going to do? Wait till we get somebody else in a higher position, higher sure. office. Sure. These are people that hate our country. But, but, hey, John, they hate our country. But, they hate it, I think, with a passion. Okay. Now, it's possible I'm wrong. The voter will decide. But when I hear the way they talk about our country, when I hear the anti-Semitic language they use, when I hear the hatred they have for Israel and the love they have for enemies like al-Qaeda, then you know what? I will tell you that... Uh, I do. I do not believe this is good for the Democrat Party. Certainly, it's not the party that I've known over the years. But can I, can I just, can I just, Mr. Does it concern you that many people saw that tweet as racist and that uh, white nationalist groups are finding common cause with you on that point? It doesn't concern me because many people agree with me, and all I'm saying, they want to leave. They can leave now. It doesn't say leave forever. It says leave if you want. But what it says, what and what that, John, what that says is if they're not happy with the United States, if they're doing nothing but criticizing us all the time, you see these people walking down criticizing the United States, we just hit the highest stock market in history. All of these incredible manufacturers that are in, these are great business people, they employ many people, and we have workers with us too. They're having the best year they've ever had. Can I say that? Is that a correct statement? So, and they're hiring more people than they've ever had, and more people are making a good living than they've ever had. We just hit 27,000 plus on the Dow. It's the highest the stock market has ever been. And you have to go by the election, because the market started going up the day after I won. You know, they like to add all of that tremendous gain. They like to try and give it to Obama. The fact is, if I would have lost, the stock market would crash. And if these people that I watch in those debates ever got their hands on the United States government, 401Ks, the values of your company, everything else that we talk about we're so proud of, it's down the tubes. People will lose their money. They'll lose their wealth. You'll have a crash like you've never seen before. And I'm really good at this stuff. I know what I'm talking about. Thank you all very much. Thank you.
Jesus, I sorry, sorry guys. No wonder, no wonder why it wasn't. I couldn't hear anybody. My thing was on mute. Uh, let's start. Let's start with Michael Balsey. Michael, go ahead. That was a lot of information he put out there. Um, you know, the one thing the president isn't, and I wish he would have hit on that when he was discussing that with the reporters, but uh, is that you know he has black unemployment, Hispanic unemployment at all time record low. And Asian. Yeah, and Asian as well. And the thing is, like in Omar's case, I mean, oh, there's some controversy over how she became a citizen or whatever. I'm sure I'm sure the government's going to get to the bottom of that eventually. But right. they welcomed her with open arms. I mean, she got voted into Congress. So, yeah. I mean, there's no reason for her to be anti-American, but they show this because I believe Lindsey Graham hit a high note today when he said they're communists. They're no longer that socialist, uh, you know, running on the socialist agenda that, say, the Democrats like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. They were, they're far, far left of them. And, you know, when I, when I, you know, I've read the Rules for Radicals and the Communist Manifesto, and, you know, a lot of this stuff, stuff comes right out of there. Uh, it's... Uh, it's a direct reflection of the education, I think, and things that have been instilled with them over time. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing, Michael. I mean, you know, we're, you know, and as a retired police chief, I mean, you know, what are your thoughts on, on everything that's going on with the with the hostility and the violence, and you know what what they're doing to their voters? I mean, they're influencing these people in the streets. Uh, to become radicalized, and obviously the, the cops are the ones that have to deal with it, you know? I think you're seeing it with Antifa. They encourage it. It's like in Maxine Waters has recently come out and encouraged violence. You know, it, it, you can't have politicians in public office, especially when the media is does not support the president. You can't have politicians in office saying these things and no one in the public eye is ever correcting him on it. He gets corrected right. for doing what's wrong. No, keep, keep I mean, going. I'm, Sorry, I'm, keep going. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Keep going. Well, I'm saying, you know, there's been several incidents here with Antifa lately, and they're supported by the Democratic Party. I never, I've never heard them be, been called out. Um, and then you get the politicians in those cities. You know, they issue a stand-down order. Where was that? In Portland? It's uh, At some point, and I think we talked about this on a previous show, you know, if you're going to get a handle on crime, it's got to start at the top, and the support has to be there. These, these police officers, especially like our border agents, they have to know that the administration and the, the communities have their back. And... Uh, I think the president has done an outstanding job. He has more law enforcement to support than probably any president in U.S. history. And I think his record speaks to that. But, you know, Mexico's doing their part as far as the border is concerned. I think as much as they're capable, you kind of touched on it, they can offer them tons of jobs to stay in Mexico, but they're making an effort. I give them credit for that. So I'm not sure what the conversation was between the Mexican president and the uh, and President Trump, but obviously said something that hit home. So I think we're we're making some inroads there anyway. And 
I saw immigration last month was down 29%. The problem at the border is just overcrowding. It's not the lack of of uh, provisions and things of that nature. It's just overcrowding. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's not, you know, it's not, uh, you know, we, we really need to get it under control. And it looks like, you know, obviously it's been, been up really high this year. I think at one point it was up like 300%, but obviously it's calmed down a little bit in the last month or so since Trump put some of the – these things forward in terms of, you know, uh, telling Mexico that if, he, if they didn't stop it, he was going to start giving them tariffs. So I think they definitely uh, started regulating it to, to some extent. I think there's obviously a lot more work that needs to be done, obviously, don't you think? I do. Uh, and I did want to mention one other thing. As far as the census is concerned, and, and, and they try to normalize yeah. these illegal. Okay. Oh, I'll, yeah. That, you know I think it was out there for the most part that the assumption was that, well, they wanted the votes. I'm not sure it's all about votes as it is as much about redistricting and getting those seats in the, in the House and in the Senate or in the, in the House, so to speak, getting more House seats so they can assure that the Democrats will always have control of at least one chamber of, go- of, of government. I think that has a lot to do with it. And I don't think we've heard the last of that yet, uh, because that was that's a point that I people don't really address. Tucker Carlson has addressed it from time to time. What's the actual numbers of illegal immigrants in this country? You know, we don't we don't truly know. It could be upwards of thirty million. Uh, we don't know for sure. And I think that's the reason he really wants to count. The other thing is, is that's a drain on the tax dollars. Yeah, oh, it, it is. It, it really, it really is. And it, you know, it's, you know, the, the anti-American stances. I mean, they, they are they're very scary of what's going on. Uh, IQ, IQ, go ahead. Well, my perspective is completely different from everybody. No nation on earth is sovereign without borders. No nation on earth allows people to cross their territory unimpeded. That's what's happening in the border with America and Mexico. This is not a humanitarian problem. What you are suffering is an invasion. I don't care because they don't have enough food. They have food. They have their own countries. Why aren't they remedying their own countries instead of coming to America? Why? Because they're getting it free in America. Free from whom? How, how stupid can 47% of Americans, those who support the Democratic Party, how stupid can they be? Because you have to feed those so-called, no, sorry, no, they're not so-called. You have to feed the illegal immigrants. You have to house them. You have to educate their children and you have to take care of their health. And who the hell is going to pay the money for all that? And we're not talking about millions. We are talking about hundreds of billions of dollars. Who is going to pay for it? American taxpayers. Who, are, who else is suffering? You have unemployment in most American cities by American citizens. You have homeless people, American citizens, especially in California. And what is California doing? 
they are spending more money on illegals than they are spending money on their own American citizens. What I'm seeing is a cataclysmic condition of lawlessness. Why isn't the government implementing the law or the justice system? Mm -hmm. How is it conceivable to allow members of Congress to cross the border and teach illegals to come to the United States illegally and get away with it? You know, when Americans used to speak about Russia and the Soviet Union before, I could agree with them that there was lawlessness in the Soviet Union. But what you're having in America is even worse than under Putin. At least under Putin, the borders are secure of Russia. The economy is secure. Everything is under control. You have no control anymore. 47% of Americans are patriotic Americans who support Donald Trump. Another 47%, they are the demagogues of the new democratic leftist fascist party. It is irreconcilable. Donald Trump is not a racist. You know, as I said it before, out of 337 million Americans, not a single one had the backbone and all the knowledge to stand up and say to Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, you swore on the Quran, you swore on the nemesis of the Constitution as this America, you are Sharia compliant, you are the enemies and traitors of America. Why isn't anybody doing it? Why isn't anybody doing it? And by the way, no human being on planet Earth can convict them of being racist. Islam is not a bloody race. And what the items that I just mentioned are according to Sharia. It is impossible, and I repeat this word, impossible for any Sharia-compliant Muslim to be both a good Muslim and a loyal citizen among non-Muslim kuffar. And 200,000, $300,000 says there's not a single human being on planet Earth who can tell me or can prove me wrong. How much more do you want? You have all the implements to, to impose the law, but you're not doing it. You, Americans, I'm talking about. You're not doing it. These congressmen who crossed over and brought in illegals or taught illegals should have been apprehended, put on trial, and if they have to be executed, executed. Why, and why isn't anybody doing anything? Nobody is doing anything. Your justice system now sucks. Am I being... By the way, I never use the word I think. I never use the word I think. Either I know and I talk about the subject, or I don't know. The minute I say I think, there's an element of doubt. There is no element of doubt. Donald Trump is a gift for America. And he has been, for two and a half years, going down three years practically, demonized by 95% of the media, 95% of the time. He needs the support of the American people. How? Vote. You can vote those demagogues out and bring new blood who support American patriotism in. Back to you, sir. Very, very well said, IQ. Uh, I do want to get to uh, Mike Peters, and then I'm going to get to uh, Kevin, and then we'll go to a quick commercial, and then we're going to introduce our guest, uh, General Eater, uh, which we're very excited to talk to her. Uh, but Mike, Mike in New York, uh, go ahead. Uh, what are your thoughts, obviously, on what we're discussing? 
Mike Peters, go ahead. Yeah, I'm here. Really, thanks. Thank you very much, and, and welcome home. Glad you're back, and glad you made it safely. Can you hear me? Thanks, buddy. What What are your thoughts? Um, I, I would, my take out of out of President Trump, his speech lately is is it shows the frustration, and I'd love to know what's going on behind the scenes. He's dealing with people who have, as we've said before, they don't respect the law. They don't respect the law. I mean, IQ's right. I mean, the, our court system, our, our justice system, is, it's, it's toothless. I mean, they pulled a lot of the teeth out of it. And they just they feel that the law and the rules, immigration rules, everything else, that they can manipulate it and interpret it the way they want. I, I, did, I did some a little bit of research here looking at, at something interesting. It used to be called political asylum. And there are rules, there are guidelines for it that are done under international law, even through the UN, God help us, but even through the UN uh, that says you're, you have to be a refugee where you're fleeing a government, persecution, religious reasons, or whatever, your life is in danger. Just because you want to make a better life here in the United States and there's a crime rate in your home country or there are gang members or whatever, that's not a reason for you to all of a sudden ask for political asylum. But, asylum, but what they've done, the liberals, if you take a look at it, and I don't know when they did it, they removed the word political. Now the immigration status, they only refer to it as asylum. They redefined it. Someone went in there into these, one of these ministries and redefined it and took the, word, the term political out. So it's no longer political asylum. So they can manipulate it and interpret it the way they want and justify in their minds that, well, our feelings mean more than any regulation or law that you have. And we're, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to bring these people in. So it's very frustrating. I can see the frustration of President Trump. Absolutely. Uh, let, let's go to Kevin, and then we'll go to a quick commercial break, and then we'll introduce our guest. Uh, Kevin, go ahead. Well, yes, President Trump's response was absolutely appropriate and very reasoned. Uh, besides the fact that he's proven that he has no racist bone in his body, but he's shown it and proven it uh, time and time again in, in every way he possibly could, and uh, they, the Democrats will never relent. And you got to remember, when these progressive Democrats, they're, they're on the younger side, but when they say that they believe that America is for everyone, they don't actually believe that. They, they actually believe that people like President Trump and his supporters and a lot of the people that built this oppressive country known as America should not be in this country. They should not have freedom. They, they think that they should be oppressed and that they should be treated as second-class citizens within their own country. Uh, that, that's a fact. We see this as the culture is shifting where not even the Betsy Ross flag is being allowed to have public viewing because it may have racist connotations and it's going to keep getting worse and worse as time goes on. And I don't blame kind of these uh, progressive Democrats uh, that much as to say that they were born and raised in modern day America. They, they were fed this stuff and they were almost forced to believe this stuff by constant media attention. Uh, the media always says this, all these institutions, academia, um, it, it's just rife all over the place where it's, they believe that it really is just a open borders, you know, anyone could come in and diversity is our strength. I mean, and AOC mentioned that um, that uh, it, this country is for everyone after that uh, story she told about how she had gone to D.C. And I know uh, for me it was an incredibly transformative experience to go to D.C. because what you saw there was incredibly eye-opening. I mean, what you see at D.C. is basically a full – whole lot of monuments that are specifically for um, your odes to all these civil rights leaders and all these museums to every ethnicity except for white people, for example. 
of a museum for every religion except for Christianity. And it was only just last year, 2018, that we had the a Museum of the Bible opened up with Trump's blessing. But it received an, an incredible scandal because of it, because that it was just too Christian. You can't have that in, in the America. It's, uh, the, the powers that be don't want that. And uh, it, we're just rife with all these odes to the LGBT community and all these other, um, I would say, outgroup classes, social classes within America. But where do you actually see odes to the people that made America, the people that built it? Well, of course, we have some of the founding fathers there. That's, that's very well and good. Um, but you really don't see any odes to say the the middle class worker, the, the farmer. Um, you know, we have great monuments to our, our fallen veterans. That's that's very well. But what I especially had a hard time uh, realizing when I was there was the fact that there, in no public space do you see any mention of, of Jesus, who was a, predominantly the influence of our traditional American values. I would say, and then also. There's very, very few mentions of, of God in the public space, and we already know that uh, the Democrats especially are trying to remove the word God from our money, from our oaths to all these different public spaces, our schools. Uh, they don't want anything to do with it. They're trying to transform America from the values that had first created it, and they're going so far as to say that anyone that are fighting for these values are, are no longer welcome. You guys are the terrorists. You guys are the threats, and uh, Silicon Valley has gone so far as to – basically put hits, you know, allowing people to call out violence against uh, people that they believe are not, um, uh, I guess, in their book, uh, a, a uh, I don't know, a, a terrorist, uh, people that they believe is a terrorist threat, for example. Uh, so Antifa, for example, could call out uh, violence towards certain groups of uh, nationalist leaders, and they are now under a threat of their, their life. And uh, this Silicon Valley companies that are receiving special privileges, these uh, subsidies, are now, uh, you know, allowed to carry on these um, you know, threats taking place. And uh, something that's very eye-opening too about DC is the fact that you can go into the Capitol building. Uh, you, the you get this uh, short little video presentation about the founding of our country, but it's not really about our country. It's about how diversity is our strength, multiculturalism. Uh, it, it has no ode to the American people. It has odes to uh, all this immigration. And, and that's really what these Democrats and all these people have really been, been raised and born to believe. And uh, right. one last point that's uh, absolutely interesting is the fact that uh, we bring this back to Scripture and the fact that there was a Tower of Babel within, within Babylon. And this was the, the one world religion, the one world people. You have ethnicities from all over the world in this essentially a country, the state, and that was a very corrupt and degenerate, and they had no traditional values. It was a very mixed people under one rulership, and it was in the Rabbah Mishnah, which is the first book of the Torah, had mentioned about what this was like, uh, uh, what the Tower of Babel was. It, the quote is, God has no right to choose the upper world for himself and to leave the lower world to us. Therefore, we will build us a tower with an idol on top holding a sword so that it may appear as if it intended to war with God. Now, where do we see such a tower and such a statue on the top of that tower holding a sword? Well, it is on the U.S. Capitol building, and that is the modern-day Tower of Babel, which was first created after Lincoln had uh, waged the Civil War against his own country. So, essentially, it, this is what was planned for us for a very long time, and 
it's going to continue to be that way unless we, we fight for our, our own sovereignty as, as a nation. Very, very well said, Kevin. Uh, we're going to go to a quick commercial, and then we're going to be right back with uh, General Eater. We're very excited to uh, talk to her. I'll be right back, everybody. Stay tuned. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love, like chicken, shrimp, and cheese, just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday's, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, please visit our media site, thenexgenusa.com. And also remember, in about a month, we will be releasing the brand-new media network that we're very excited about, uh, America's Toughest Sheriff Joe Arpaio and uh, Jihad Watch Robert Spencer, both good friends of mine, will be the face of the network. Uh, we have, will have many notable names doing their own TV shows, it will be a 24-7 platform. I can't wait to share it with all of you. Uh, very exciting times right now. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show uh, military expert, D.C. insider, former Army Deputy Chief of Public Affairs, uh, Major General uh, Mary K. Eater. Uh, Mary, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. Absolutely. So, Mary, it, it's your first time on the show, and what I like to do when my guests first come on I'd like to kind of get a backstory, you know, how it all started for you, uh, you know, all the different 
achievements you've had in your career, uh, how you got to this point, just all the different, you know, adventures and chapters and all that, all that fun stuff. You've lived an amazing life. I've had a great time with my life in the Army, that's for sure. So tell, tell us about yourself. I- Okay. Well, I came into the Army at the age of 22, decided to stay for three years, um, ended up staying for five in the active Army, <clears throat> left to join the Reserves, and I found I liked it quite a bit. I stayed in the Reserves for about the next 20 years, and after 9-11, was mobilized within two weeks of that occurring. By that time, I was in Germany working for an international center that helped train and educate people from former Soviet bloc countries in the mechanisms of democracy. And I was uh, mobilized at the European Command for about six months. So I was there for the beginning of the conflict in Afghanistan and handled all of the media for that, and then returned to the states where I seemed to get into the Pentagon. And, you know, for every year you're there, it counts as seven in dog years. So I was there for about five years in several different jobs. So I've had a great time and some tremendous experiences and a great opportunity to see and grow and learn. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I'm reading some of your bio right now, and it says you you did over 36 years in the Army, uh, inclusive of both active and Army Reserve service. Uh, You worked in the White House in, in several different, obviously with several different administrations, uh, tell us about that, you know, your, your time in the White House and kind of being around uh, this environment. Um, I was never in the White House other than to visit. Oh. I, my time was spent in the Pentagon. No, the Pentagon, that's what I mean. I mean, you were a D.C. insider. You worked with a, a lot of different people in Washington. How was that? It's very interesting to see how different organizations work and different federal agencies. Uh, so I worked for the Transportation Security Administration as a civilian right as it was being stood up. So it was a startup organization when I was there going through its growing pains, and this was even before the Department of Homeland Security was formed. So I spent about a couple of years there before ending up going back to the Pentagon and working in Homeland Security as a civilian. At the same time, I was still working in the reserves for different parts of the Department of Defense and then I was promoted to Brigadier General and moved to Army Public Affairs. Yeah, and you've, I mean, you've done, you know, I'm reading, you've done so much. I mean, you were, you helped, you were involved with NATO. Uh, you were involved with all these different things. I mean, you were involved with different over, see, like overseas stuff with European, like, I mean, this is amazing stuff. I mean, your your, your resume just never ends. Well, you know, I, I never wanted to say no to anything because it was always going to be a new learning experience. So I got to teach the foundations of a free press while I was at the Marshall Center in Germany. And from there, I got to teach in Sweden, and I also got to teach at the NATO school. So I learned quite a bit about their, their views on peacekeeping. And I think from getting to have experiences of working with other nations and other armies, you get to see how their perspectives are, their views, and certainly you learn quite a bit about what they think of us. So it was a great education. And what was it like being involved with the World Affairs Council? I just spoke there last year, and I spoke about a series I've been writing about called The Information Apocalypse, which has to do with the failure of trust or the downgrading of trust in our culture. 
over the past several years and how we have very little trust and faith in our institutions anymore. And this is based on research primarily done by the Edelman um, research firm. It's a p- public relations or communications firm, and they survey annually trust in institutions, not only in the U.S., but around the world. So I was talking primarily about that to that group. I've done this this speaking engagement several times over the past year. This is very, yeah, this is very impressive. And, you know, I'm looking at, you know, just, just, just all this stuff and it just, it's, it's, it's fascinating. You were, you know, how, how does somebody, you know, cause you, obviously being a major general, you are at the highest rank in the military and, you know, being, having a position, you know, uh, being in charge of, of the, you know, Army Deputy Chief of Public Affairs. I mean, those are, those are huge positions. How do you, how did somebody get there? I mean, I know you never say no and you're a very hard worker, but wow, this is, this is, this is fascinating. I don't know how you get there. It's one of those things that you, you might look back on it and say, I don't know how that happened. But at the time, certainly it's a challenge to be given a job to do that is tough and you think, I can do this, and I want to make a difference with it, and I want to make it be successful. And I think that's what you do with everything you're given. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. And, and you know, being, being, in the, being in the Pentagon and being around, you know, this sort of atmosphere and, and these situations, I'm sure you see, you see, and you see a lot of, you know, disturbing stuff from, from our enemies and stuff, right? I mean, you know, what, what's some of the crazy experiences? Obviously, you were heavily involved with our military and, and some of the, you knew a lot of, you probably knew a lot of the secrets of what some of these terrorist uh, countries were doing, doing to us or trying to do to us. What well, can you speak a little bit about that? I think certainly when you work in communications, every day there is a new crisis and a new thing you need to respond to. So we, yeah. we have a very, not a very large staff, but certainly that we can always use more people in the, Means in which we respond have changed over the past several years, too, being much more of a responsive need to be in social media. So we're always watching and monitoring and checking. I think one of the things we learned is that many media organizations are very well connected and they speak with each other. So if we're talking about Reuters or an international news organization, they'll be talking to people in the US, on the U.S. side in Afghanistan, they'll talk to the British, they'll talk to NATO, and then they'll call us in the Pentagon. So we need to be just as coordinated and speaking to each other so that we know what's going on and have a full picture before we respond. But like I said, there's something every day. Yeah, and what was the most common? I mean, what was the most common ongoing issue of report, of report today? Probably the terrorism. Certainly terrorism is something that we we consider to be a major issue, but we have many other issues that we're looking at all the time. And certainly one of the things that we do in the Army as well is look ahead. What will be our next issue? Do we need to worry about the environment? What are we doing in the Arctic? Uh, what will we be doing with Afghanistan in the next several years? So there's always something on the horizon. There's always something to plan ahead for. And then there's always the internal look. Are we doing the right thing for our people? Are we doing the right thing with 
making sure we have the right equipment? What new things do we right. need to be concerned about? Are we just now fielding uh, the, the handheld drones to some of the units? How are we going to change the training for this? How do we change the training for millennials and Gen Z as they come in? They're not going to read training manuals. We're going to have to make apps for them. So it is a constantly changing and evolving and learning organization, and it's probably the most incredible challenge I could ever imagine to be part of. Yeah, but very, very true. And, um, you know, so you, you, were you over in the Middle East uh, during the Afghan and Iraq situation? I was not stationed there as part of a unit rotation, but I have been there more than a few times for shorter periods. And now describe to the audience, obviously, you know, you have, you live this, so you know it very well. So, you know, describe it. I mean, you know, what, obviously a lot of it is uh, extremely uh, frightening over there. I mean, you have a lot of people that, are so after us and, and so against our ideology. Uh, what, what, I mean, what kind of stuff did you see? Just, I'm sure everything, right? You do see a little bit of everything, but I think one of the things that is very basic that you hold on to is that you have learned so much from your time in the military that the people on your left mm-hmm. and on your right, your battle buddies, your colleagues, your friends, that when you're there with them, that you have a very good sense of, I don't want to say being protected necessarily, but certainly that you are in the best place you can be with the best people. And that right. is very reassuring. And, and, and tell me tell me about this. You know, the, the situation with where we – how do you think we stand today in terms of, you know, just war in general? I mean, uh, you know – like an example, like where do you think things are going to go with Iran? Uh, do you think Syria and Afghan and, and some of these, some of these like Iraq, do you think these things will uh, end? Do you think they'll pull these troops out? I mean, what, what do you see the future? I think that we live in very dangerous times. <clears throat> and I think the better prepared we are, <clears throat> the more we understand what is going on in the world, the better off we all are. We talk about you're asking me about military service, and in this country, less than 1% of our young people serve. So if you took 10 young American men from the ages of 18 to 24, we would probably get to where there's only two or three even eligible to serve in the military. There's many reasons why they don't uh, or can't, whether it's not graduating from high school, uh, having a peanut allergy, having taken Ritalin as a child, Uh, Being unable to pass a fitness test is certainly a big reason. But of those three that are even eligible, probably two are in college, so that leaves one. So it's very difficult to recruit in this atmosphere today, and it's very difficult for us to have young people who want to come in and be part of this organization. So you see a lot of changes in our recruiting now, and you'll see a lot more of a focus about the challenges and being able to challenge yourself to be your best self. Yeah. No, so, oh, so this is the one percenters. Yeah, sad, sadly. Sadly it is, and you're absolutely right. And, you know, I, re- I really want to ask you, you know, if you let, – let's just give a hypothetical. If you were in charge uh, of, cer- you know, th- certain things that were going on at the border, 
how how would you deal with the with the with the massive crisis? I mean, obviously, I think putting military down there and sometimes using force, I think, is necessary. But how how would you go about this just to stop people from coming in illegally? It's very difficult for me to say what I would do in charge of that situation because I haven't seen it. And I don't have the internal insights into what is being done now. So if I gave you an opinion, it would not be based on anything concrete, if that makes sense to you. Um, Certainly I can tell you that even as we talk about the crush at the border now and what we see in the news about this, I have looked up some of the background on this, and it seems that there have been more people deported over the past I think three or four administrations that are being deported yeah. now. And there's yeah. a, there's a change, been a change in terminologies too, what they called returns, whether it's people are turned around immediately or put on buses if they come in illegally. Um, so they're called returns instead of deport, deportations. But certainly we're yeah. seeing a big change in the numbers coming. That's absolutely true. Yeah. And our I mean, systems are very well overwhelmed. Oh, they are. It's it's bad. It's really bad. Uh, I do want to get some panel's thoughts. Uh, I know they have some questions for you, but I do want to ask you, uh, please tell everybody about your book. I know you have a book um, that uh, has done pretty well. Tell us about that. Well, the book I have published is on communications. I have written a novel that's a historical military novel, and it is pending publication. So it's based on a World War II true story that is probably not very well known. So I'm looking forward to having a publisher want to take it on and getting it out there in the next year. I love it. I love it. I think that, I think that's, that's awesome. And uh, I, I do also want to ask you um, any, any projects you're working on, anything you're working on with the military at this point? Well, I'm working on this issue, you know, now, uh, about the census, which is called Our Citizenship Counts. I'm working with this organization now as we talk about the importance of citizenship in this country. Absolutely. Yeah, and please speak on that a little bit more. I know you've been working on that. I I did read that, but please tell us exactly what you're doing. This organization was started just about a month ago, and you can go to our website and see a lot of the information that's on there because there has been so much misinformation in the news and in what people understand about the census, what about the citizenship question, where some yeah. of these things come from, and what the Constitution actually said. So right. certainly the, the look to put a citizenship question on the census for 2020 this is not the first time that that question has been asked. Yeah, the yeah. first census was in, I think it was 1790, when Thomas Jefferson was the Secretary of State. <clears throat> and after that, George Washington had said, well, we want to get that question on there about citizenship. So it didn't come into being until about 1820. And it's been on every, they call it a decentennial census, every t- 10 years It's been on there every 10 years since then up until the year 2000, with one exception, and that was 1840. So since then, it's still being asked. It's asked every year 
and the, what is called the American Community Survey, which is a sample census that goes to about 2.5% of American households. Now, the Census Bureau is all stat statistics and statisticians, so this is a sample survey they do every year. So it's the same question. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Now no, it's true. No, it's, it's true that uh, that about thirty percent of the households may not answer correctly, or that there isn't validation of whether or not they said they were a citizen, and is that true or not? So certainly, I think we will see this executive order from the president that says, "Let's look at other avenues and other ways in which we have information, and then just cross-check it." No, I, I agree. I, I absolutely, I absolutely agree. Um, Mike, Mike Peters in New York, go ahead. General, uh, my name is Mike Peters. First off, I want to thank you for your service and everything you've done for the soldiers. And to some of our other guests and panel panelists, to the people that are listening here, they have no idea really how much that means to you and what you've done for the military. To my wife and I, Hanging on our wall when you enter our restaurant, my wife and I are government contractors, is a letter and your coin, a letter from you and a coin that for nine years, I treasure that. Every time I come in, it reminds me of the job that my wife and I do feeding soldiers. Your deputy chief of staff, Colonel Smith, attended a dinner, a formal dining in at West Point with Colonel DeWitt with a 151 TIOG. We were the caterers. Yes. We were the ones that took care of that event. And you sent us a letter afterwards on your letterhead signed by you with a coin. And this is the first time in nine years that I've been able, and I really appreciate being able to thank you for that, and you have no idea what it means to us, just getting that in the mail from you. Wow, that, that's really something. Thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, we, we tried it. My wife and I, we, we closed our restaurant after 9-11, and we started feeding troops. We had no idea what we were getting into. And uh, as, I, as I said recently on my Facebook page, even if it wasn't for the soldiers, I'd regret that we ever got involved. The amount of corruption, the incompetence, and everything else. And they claim soldier care. It's not soldier care. It's a, it's a game where, again, what, like what we see out in the outside world, they interpret the regulations. They take AR-30-22, and they play with it and toy with it for their own little agenda day by day. And who pays for it? The Joe, the average soldier that's sitting at that table. And I'm, I, I guess I'm... I don't know if I'm Archie Bunker on it, but I mean, I, take care of your soldiers. Do a good job. And not caterers are like this. I understand it. Most are like, here's your hot dog, pay me $300. And we're not, we're not like that, but the, the system is full of them. But for you to go out of your way and, and to remember a contractor and send that, I, I was thrilled. I was blown away by that letter. And, and, and it stands there, sort of. So, and I appreciate Roy bringing me in and giving me the opportunity to thank you for that after nine years. So, Oh. Well, I look forward, sir, to shaking your hand in person. I do. Well, some, someday. You're ever in New York up by West Point, please keep us in mind. Rory can tell you, send you a message with our information. And I was hoping to see Rory on his trip to have him stand, you know, to drop by, but it didn't work out, unfortunately. But, General, so much. And I, I, I wish you were still with, with them um, because we need more officers like you. And uh, but at least you're still active, thank God, and 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 still part of the system. Amen. Uh, Amen. Thanks, thanks for your service. Thank you, uh, Michael. Michael Valsi, go ahead, Mike. 
Uh, thank you, Roy. Uh, General, it's an honor to speak to you uh, and listen to what you had to say. I want to thank you as well for your service to the United States of America, as I try to thank all veterans and current military people. Uh, could you speak to the fact, uh, you know, the president gave a tremendous speech on the 4th of July and talked about how the uh, the military has been upgraded. Can you speak a little bit to what the conditions of equipment was like and things prior to his arrival? Good question. <clears throat> well, I've been retired now since 2013, so I can't talk to you very much about the last several years. But I can tell you that when we purchase or acquire new equipment, it's a multi-year process in terms of development. We've gotten much better and much quicker at getting equipment and new, new things that are needed in the hands of soldiers much more quickly than ever before. But I think the investments in the last several years, you can certainly see that, that we have the best military in the world and we have the best equipment. We have the best aircraft, the best aircraft carriers, and we continue to upgrade all of our other systems. We have new uh, weapon systems coming on all the time. We have a new handgun that has come in in the past year or so. We've made modifications to the rifle. So there's always changes, modifications, new equipment coming in all the time. Well, that's, that's good to know. And uh, I believe the president's uh, done a remarkable job in upgrading our uh, equipment. I've read some things on how the steel had been downgraded uh, under the previous administration and a lot of our, our things were becoming quite inferior and I, uh, it looks like he's corrected that and we're well on a road. There's no doubt we're the, we're the force to reckon with in the world. And I believe strongly in the peace through, through strength uh, uh, philosophy. And I think it's worked out well. I would refer you to take a look at the American Manufacturing Association, which looks at the need we have to continue to build things in America. One of my friends is uh, associated with this organization, and he's taught me quite a bit about what we need to keep doing with some of our plants to make sure that we can build the materials that we need and do it here. I think uh, the American-made model that the president has adopted, especially uh, with, the, with regard to the military, when you look at the uh, tank factory in Lima, Ohio, I mean, they no doubt put out the best tank in the world. And they, the, the, uh, prior to him, there was, it was on the bur uh, brink of closing. And, you know, he boasts about it now. Fortunately, it's still op open and going strong and producing tanks. And there's other other businesses like that throughout the United States that produce military equipment. We always used to do that ourselves. And I, th I think that's the start to make sure that the, the type of steel and, and the type of, ma of material we're using to manufacture these, this equipment is not being downgraded any way, shape, or form to cause our eventual demise. I absolutely agree with you. And I... I certainly know that we have the correct type of people doing the inspections internally and externally to make sure that the quality is there for what we need for our soldiers. Very, very well said. 
Oh, go ahead, Mike. You have a thought? Go ahead. Well, I just want to thank the general again, and uh, uh, I appreciate all of your service and what you continue to do for the United States. Uh, we need people like you uh, to step up and uh, and share your expertise, especially like you mentioned the fact, you know, there's not as many people probably enlisting as we would like, and then the qualifications of those people are just not there. And I, I, I witnessed that firsthand. Uh, where somebody doesn't have a high school uh, diploma, you know, they just don't meet the military requirements. And I, a lot of that I revert back to the education uh, sit, uh, situation in the United States and a lot of the indoctrination that's gone on through the years. And it's something that's going to be corrected. It's just going to take, it's going to be a long road. One of the biggest problems we see with recruitment these days is obesity in young people and a lack of fitness overall. Yep. And certainly I think that's something that as a country we need to be very concerned about. Yeah, that's 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 definitely something really serious for sure. Uh, Ke- uh, Kevin, go ahead. Well, it's an honor to speak with you, Mary, and I'm uh, very thankful for your service. Uh, so I have an interesting question. Uh, so I know you couldn't give a precise answer about what to do about uh, the border situation if you had the control to do it, but I do have uh, an idea that I believe most every American will agree with, and it is really centered around uh, preventing the incentives of these illegal aliens to come into our country. I mean, we have um, so many free, pretty much everything that uh, oh, nearly – that uh, they could obtain just for, by coming here and all these, you know, especially Democratic states that are enacting all these, you know, health care, school, housing, all these utilities, and it goes on and on. Uh, well, okay, so let's stop that. Uh, and then they have all these other incentives of, for example, they're able to come into our, our country uh, faster than we're able to deport them. I believe maybe we need to have, you know, more funding for our detention facilities, perhaps you know, get the military more involved, uh, get more funding for, for ICE, and um, a whole slew of uh, problems when it comes to how they're coming here for, for work. So prevent them from being able to uh, get a job, have maybe an e-verify system, so it's only for citizens that could get real jobs here. And uh, so this is a, the incentive that I'm really curious to, to hear about um, from you. So it's – the case where during peacetime we have uh, foreign nationals who serve at least one year in the U.S. military uh, could get a green card uh, before they go through the process of qualifying for U.S. citizenship, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm really wondering if uh, what you think about that, if you'd, uh, if you'd change it or uh, what you do about that, considering that I would consider the military to be one of the highest honors of our country. I mean, it's a, it's a big deal, and it's kind of, kind of seems silly to me in a sense where, you know, it's, it's a very small amount of uh, service you could do as as a and anybody really anywhere, and then they have such a, a quick entry into our country, not even necessarily believing in our values and culture. Yes, let me talk about that a little bit. Certainly, there's a long tradition of immigrants serving in in the U.S. military back to the days of the revolution when uh, was General Lafayette was uh, certainly not a citizen when he first served with the U.S. Army in the Revolutionary War. 
And in the Civil War, about 20% of the Union Army was made up of immigrants. If wow. we get up to World War I and World War II, there were over 200,000 immigrants who served in the U.S. military in World War II. And following both of those wars, by presidential proclamation or executive order, they were automatically naturalized. Now, today, there have been, I think, about 110,000 since 9-11 who have become citizens after serving in the military. Wow. Now, there's, there's still a process you have to go through. You have to serve honorably. You have to have demonstrated good moral character for five years. You have to be able to speak, read, and write English and then understand America's system of government and what our democracy means. So there is still that process, and that takes at least five years. They're eligible to apply if they have served at least one day in combat. Apply, but you still have to go through all of the rest of that process. Wow, very insightful. Thank you. Very, very well, very well said. Uh, I, I'll, I'll go to IQ, and then uh, we'll have to let the, the general go. But uh, IQ, go ahead and get the last word. Very impressive, obviously. The question I would like to ask, because she, she was in the military, tens of thousands of American soldiers are defending other nations, and yet the border of America is not defended. Why is that? I'm the outsider looking in. I live in Europe, and I find it extremely difficult to understand. I understand the Democrats or the Democratic Party being fascist the way it is, but I cannot understand why the majority of Americans are not supporting the president. Because with the, although you are not at the border, although I'm not at the by the way, I was at the border three years ago. I went through literally one end to the other end of the United States in the south with the with Mexico, there was very little protection. Even then, there was very little protection. Why is that, General? Why do you think this is the case? I think so much of what we see is is tradition and history, and in the Americas that there it hasn't been that way. That there have been, I think, hard borders like you see in Europe. Like you're not seeing more of a border openness within the EU, but not like it is between America, Canada, and Mexico. It's only in the past 10 years or so that we had to get passports, passport card to go into Canada. And so we see some changes with the, uh, the borders between us and our northern neighbor. And it is the same with the southern country, too, with Mexico and going further south. Much of this has to do with transnational crime, drug trafficking, not just immigration. So there are a number of factors that are affecting this. Thank you for your answer. Thank you very much. Very, very well said. Well, uh, General, we've really really, uh, loved having you on tonight. Um, I I would love to uh, get you back at some point soon. Uh, please tell everybody where they can connect with you and find your work and see the latest projects you're up to. Well, I do have a website, which isn't finished because I'm having to teach myself how to do that, and it's not going very quickly. But 
certainly I would like to invite you to t- check out the website for ourcitizenshipcounts.org and see what we're doing with talking about citizenship, uh, the census, and understanding how we count Americans and why it is important to be a citizen because citizens vote. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's been a real pleasure, and uh, thank you for coming on, and we'll definitely have you back again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good night. All righty. Good night. Take care. We'll be right back, everybody. Stay with us. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, Skyray Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at Skyray Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaySecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, Please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind the scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist. 
the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back, the Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to it 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, please visit our media site, thenextgenusa.com. And please uh, remember uh, that we will, in about a month, be releasing the brand-new network, uh, and it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Uh, We have many notable names doing their own TV shows on the network. Uh, We'll also be having America's Toughest Sheriff, good friend of mine, Joe Arpaio. Uh, He'll be the face of the network, as well as uh, director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer. Both of those guys, as everybody knows, has millions of followers. Uh, so they will bring a, a huge, they will bring a lot to the network. I mean, they are a huge asset, and uh, you know they will they will definitely be taken care of. That's for sure. Uh, a lot, a lot of money for everybody involved in this new project. I will tell you, and uh, you know the the process is coming along well. But like I said earlier, uh, we are running a little behind on a few things, which is why. Uh, I said it's going to be a few weeks longer than what it was originally supposed to be with re- in terms of release date. Um, guys, so let's we still have some time left in the show, which is good. Uh, very, very happy. Um, oh, God, let's see here. Just want to make some quick announcements, just of things that are pretty impressive. Uh, the founder of Black Entertainment Television, uh, Bob Johnson, uh, praised President Trump's economy earlier. Well, actually, it was last week. But, I mean, if that's any indication, you have a guy, uh, this owner who owns BET and Black Entertainment Television, and this guy came from the rough – he came from the rough parts growing up. I mean, he came from nothing. He came from the hood. So, I mean, this guy knows firsthand what racism and what hate and what communism entails. And uh, he's made it very clear that he's a huge fan of Trump. So uh, there, there's not a racist bone in Trump's body. Let's let's look at all the black people that support Trump. I don't want to get too off topic, but Floyd Mayweather supports Trump. Mike Tyson supports Trump. Kanye West supports Trump. Ken Griffey Jr. supports Trump. You got some of the biggest names in sport in sports that support Trump, and the media tries to the media tries to ignore those facts. How are you? How? And I don't want to get too off topic, guys, and I'm not trying to. But how do you how do you tell a guy that he's racist if you've got somebody like Floyd Mayweather who came from nothing, came from the hood, and knows exactly? That's another example, just like the BET founder. Another example is Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson came from the hood, and Mike Tyson calls Trump one of his good friends. So none of none of none of this adds up to me. None of it. it never it never really has. And you've got people, uh, you know, you got. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal comes out and calls Trump his friend. One of the, probably the most fearless guy ever to play in the NBA. People were terrified of him in his playing days on the court. You got one of the you got one of the most probably the toughest guy ever in the NBA. Uh, you know, coming out and, and supporting Trump and saying he's a friend of his. So it's just like this whole racism BS that we keep hearing. It doesn't really have any merit if you look at all the people that backed him up. Oh, look at another person, Dennis Rodman. I mean, I mean, he's, you know, he, that guy's about as hardcore as it gets as well, and he loves Trump. So it's like you have all these huge all-star names that know what black culture entails. They know they come from the rough parts, and 
they don't look at Trump as a hateful or racist person whatsoever. So, you know, I, it's just really, it's really, really silly. Um, it's unfortunate uh, that Tommy Robinson, who's leading the good fight overseas uh, with, with Islam, uh, terrorism, and all this BS, uh, he got nine months in pr- He's getting nine months in prison. Uh, we all know why. That government finds him as a threat. You know, they, they, they know that he's exposing things that uh, they don't want the public to, to, to listen to. They, 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 they don't want the public to hear the truth over there. It's all this political correctness. It's all this invasion of Muslims. And we all know these Muslim uh, governments have influence financially over these places in uh, England and, and, and these places overseas. There's no doubt about it, guys. There's no doubt about it. Um, and I'm, ju- I'm just seeing so much silliness right now. Um, for instance, the Washington Post, left-wing Washington Post over the weekend accuses – this is an all-time low. You know, just when I thought these people couldn't get any crazier or loonier or go any lower, they're now accusing the Lion King of being racist, condoning white supremacy. Now, guys, help me out here. The Lion King has been a known movie. I mean, it just got remade, obviously, but it's, what, been out 30 years? Have they ever said one goddamn thing about racism with the Lion King before this social justice wire and political bullshit came into place in the last couple of years? No. You know, the, 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 you know the word the word racism gets thrown around like uh, the word hi, or the word hello. It's like it, 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 these people throw it out there every day in, in every one of their sentences on the left, especially, and it, and it, it just loses its meaning. It's like everybody's a racist, everybody's a bigot, everybody's a Nazi. It's like grow up. It's like you you Democrats are really struggling, and I'll tell you why. There was a new poll that came out today. And, you know, there was over a 1,000 people asked, and it was from Axios, which is a left-wing outlet. Again, that's Axios, which is a left-wing outlet. And it said only 22% of white people support the new age of the Democratic Party. That's including the ideas like AOC, Omar, those type of people. Think about that. You've got only 22% of white people in your corner. You guys, you guys are in some trouble. You guys are in some trouble. That, that's nothing to take, take lightly. It basically explains that you, you know, are putting every other race before the white people. White people are bad. That's what you say in all your speeches. White people are privileged. White people need to understand that, you know, that they have it good in this world. Oh, really? What about all the homeless white people? What about all the white people that kill themselves? What about, all, you know, the generalizations and the stereotypes are pathetic and disgusting, and these people should be held accountable. The race-baiting. The, 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 the fake oppression bullshit, the victim stances from the left, the communism tactics, it goes on and on, everybody. It really, it really does not end. You know what really has been bothering me, though, and we need to have a full discussion on this and what we are about to, is this lesbian, Megan Rapinoe, Rapinoe whatever, whatever the hell her name is, uh, looks like Anderson Cooper's brother. Here's, an, here's another individual entitled LGBT hateful character. You know, she wants to claim that we're the hateful ones, but in reality, she's putting everything about conservatives down, but she demands, she demands respect in return, no matter what she says. And this is an example of many, th- many times I've said on my show where these people on the left, 
especially in the LGBT community, want to come in and change Christianity because they simply don't agree with it. But a Christian is not okay to disagree with their lifestyle. See the hypocrisy here? You see the crap that's going on? And you and I'm going to use the word, I don't care. You see this bitch, Megan Rapinoe, throw the flag on the ground, step on it in the World Cup, on live TV, and then what does the left do? They praise her. They put her on frickin' CNN. They put her on MSNBC. They applaud her. They tell the dumbass she should run for president. She should be in politics. Oh, my God. I mean, what the? This is Twilight Zone. Am I, am I living in an alternate universe? You have some carpet muncher, soccer player, who doesn't know a goddamn thing, getting all of this publicity and credit? For what? For what? Being like Colin Kaepernick, trying to insult our country, disrespecting the president, claiming the bullshit victim stance. Oh, the press, feel bad for me. I'm LGBT. You're trying to put down people like me and people of color. It's the same line every time from these idiots. And really, Trump's trying to discriminate against people of color. We have the lowest black unemployment, lowest Asian, and lowest Hispanic unemployment ever. I don't see I don't see how the oppression is even in existence. We live in the greatest country in the world. The American dream is the greatest it's ever been. No race is a victim. We're not living in the frickin' 50s anymore. Blacks get hired. They're doing great. Hispanics are getting hired. They're doing great. Asians are doing great. They're getting hired. If, to be honest with you, and I don't, I don't, I'm not a person that ever plays the victim. I take responsibility in life no matter what it is. But I will say, and I, don't, I, I, you know, I, I think this is fair to say, I think whites are, to be honest with you, I think whites are, are the ones that are most discriminated on right now in many different categories. You know, and, and it's scary. It's scary because, you know, the, the narrative that the left is trying to paint is that white people are bad. White people are the enemy. White people are racist. White people are privileged. What they fail to mention is that about 80, about 80 to 85% of CEOs in America are white. And they employ thousands of minorities, black, Hispanic. I'm just, you know what? It's so, it's so wrong to paint white people bad because white people, and then this isn't racist at all what I'm about to say, but white people have given opportunity the most out of any other race. And that's not given opportunity to other people. And that's true. It's true because there's more of us. I mean, that, that's a fair statement. That's not being racist. I mean, I think we deserve a lot of credit. And, and I'm not saying everybody in our race is perfect. There's a lot of shitheads in our race, but that's with any race. You know, we, we can't generalize or stereotype a race. We have to go on the, in, the individual's character. But let, let, let's listen to Megan Rappin-Hoe uh, claim, oh, oh, Trump, Trump's disrespecting people like me and people of color. And you know what I always found fascinating? and kind of disturbing is the LGBTQ community, what they always do, same with smelly feminists, they'll basically try to bring other people in their oppression box with them. 
because they don't want to be alone and they want to make their movement more louder and more effective. So they'll say, oh, let's bring blacks in. Let's bring Hispanics in. Let's keep this freaking trend going. Let's, let's make something out of it. <laughs> it's, it's the most pathetic thing. These people are fucking animals. Let's play this clip back. Your message is excluding people. Um, you're excluding me. You're excluding people that look like me. You're excluding people of color. You're excluding, you know, Americans that, um, that maybe support you. We need to have um, a reckoning with um, the message that you have and what you're saying about make America great again. Um, I think that you're harking back to an era that was not great for everyone. We knew that this win, if we were able to, to win, was going to be bigger than soccer, but that moment, I think, just solidified everything. It was like, this World Cup win is so much more than what was on the field. Um, it seems like one of those... All right, I've had enough. This woman's so full of shit. And you know what? These scumbag, animal, smelly feminists get on the field at the end of the game, and one of the first things they say is equality, equality. And, and just the whole philosophy and mindset behind that is complete crap and garbage. You know what? Not everybody's equal in this world. Not everybody can be Michael Jordan. Not everybody can be Bruce Springsteen. Not everybody can be Huey Lewis in the news. We're not all equal. You don't get a trophy, everybody. Everybody's gifted in their own way. Everybody's on different levels. The minute we try to say everybody's the same is the minute our country fails because people can't live to their full um, potential. I mean, you, you start putting people in boxes. You try to say, oh, well, women athletes should get, get paid the same as men. No, no, no. That's not how it works. Do, do people realize that men's sports get about quadruple the size in ratings than women? Well, that's probably why these men are getting paid more. And do, do we realize that men, star athletes, are some of the most uh, focused figures in America where people are obsessed with them? Women athletes, not so much, not as much as men. So, so you can't. You can't generalize this whole equal play. I mean, it's just stupid because everybody has their own level of talent. Everybody has their own level of work. Everybody, uh, you know, is, is in their own category. You know, Kobe, for instance, LeBron James shouldn't get paid the same as, you know, a, a low-level player like, you know, who, who, let's see, uh, I don't know, I'll throw some other, Kyle Korver. I mean, there's a reason why LeBron James is LeBron James. There's a reason why Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. I mean, come on, people. This isn't rocket science, and all you're doing is stirring up the loonies and causing problems. It's the reality. It really is. Uh, Mike Peters, go ahead. No, I agree. I mean, they're, they're desperate to change society and everything where they're, I don't know, where they're redefining everything and, and their, their attitude. It shows it really bothers a lot of us, and it's coming out. Is a total disregard. They 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 disrespect the flag, what this country is, the values, yeah. and everything that we hold dear, and and what we we strive for, what even our founding fathers strove for. What we it's very very frustrating for all of us in But they don't understand any of it, and I don't know whether to blame the schools for doing this to the generations where they don't teach history. They don't they don't even teach military history. 
or history of pride in this country or anything. I, the schools, I, I have no idea. When I set up a military display, the reactions that I get from, from some of the youth, I had one kid that even worked for me in the restaurant ask me if we won World War II. He graduated high school. Are you kidding me? How could you not know that? How do you not know that we survived? No, the Nazis won. You didn't know the Nazis won? We're speaking German right now. You understand? I, it just, it's a, the world is upside down. So I, I don't know. And if you're patriotic, you're an enemy. There's something wrong with you. You support the troops, you're an enemy. I had one group of soldiers, and, and we had this discussion about a liberal the other day, where I'm really turning against them because of that, the fanatic liberals that are out there and the Antifa attitudes that are out there. They had a yellow ribbon ceremony for a unit of returned infantry soldier. There were about four of them over there, and uh, it was down in New York City. And an older woman walked up to this group of soldiers and said that, you know, they just came back and said, uh, too bad you didn't get killed over there. And she spit on him. Now, the other two soldiers grabbed the one soldier that was spit on. And they were really behind the deep back, really behind the mess hall. And, and he said, Mike, you know, I said, it was better that you didn't. What were you going to do, grab her and make it worse? Because then all of a sudden she'd be the victim. There's nothing you could do. If you fight them, they have the media and everything on their side. And yet this is the attitude that a lot of them, and she didn't hide her attitude. They're anti-American. They want to change everything into their, the image of their version of utopia that they have. It's very frustrating. So I, I don't know what to, what to say, Rory. Rory. I don't know. Very, very well said, Mike. Uh, My, Michael Volsey, go ahead, Mike. Well, you know, again, Rory, I've mentioned this before on your show, is, uh, you know, they created so many subgroups. First, they created groups. Then they created groups within those groups, creating subgroups of people. To keep people at a divide with each other. Right now, I think the problem is, as far as the liberals are concerned, is they lost their base. They realize they've lost their base. They need to have these subgroups. They use them to try to gain votes. They used to, in the old days, they had the majority of the women would vote Democrat with the realistic old Democratic Party. It's not that way anymore. Then, not Trump, Trump's Trump saw in, in the last – we saw with Trump in the last election where he got one of the largest percentage of the black and Hispanic vote, which is going to be drastically larger this time. Uh, and I remember Candace Owens says she's a Republican candidate, only needs 10% of the black vote to win. Well, he's got – he's got – by, by now, he's got – I'd say from the last poll I looked at months ago – He's got over 30% of the black votes. I think he's in really good shape. Yeah, I, Sorry, I go ahead, though. I think, yeah, and I think it actually might be a little bit higher than that. Uh, but like I said, and, this, and these subgroups started with indoctrination in the schools. You saw they brought the transvestites to a grade school to perform, right? I mean, that would be unheard of, at least in the area where I live right now. I mean, parents would go nuts. And I live in a predominantly democratic area, but they would go nuts. They wouldn't stand for it. But it's it's the creation of these groups. They want divide. It's that old communist uh, philosophy of divide and conquer. And they they've worked off that premise. And you realize all the subgroups that they they've created. You know, they knew going into this that the president got along with everybody. They knew he wasn't racist. 
the only thing they have left is to throw the racist thing out. And that's what they do. And, and it fails. It fails on them drastically almost every time. And I wanted to make one other point because I know you're running out of time here. But as far as this border thing is concerned, I didn't mean to change the subject, but I really think we have an issue that we need to address as a, a whole. And that's the legal immigration system. The bureaucracy is so thick and so time-consuming that it's not only being bypassed by the open borders people, the Soros people, and everybody else who's going there and recruiting these people, right? But the actual people waiting in line can wait as long as 10 years to come here legally. We, we need to get rid of some of that red tape and make that process a little more smooth. I, I agree. I agree. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, our our, our immigration system is a mess right now. Um, Kevin, Kevin, go ahead. Yes, well, this whole situation just so wonderfully displays the whole psychology and mindset of the left. I mean, it truly is ungrateful. It's very egotistical. It's very hedonistic. It's it's a total neglect of the facts of, of the situation that they, they base their emotions and their uh, everything they they do basically off of these these emotions and essentially with the women's soccer back. team, absolutely and it really is ridiculous that the women's soccer team is being paid because of uh, this great American capitalist system. I mean they create an economy, people watch the show and they get money that way and they get paid uh, very generously in fact because the men's soccer team they only get seven percent of the proceeds of their whole economy they're producing, but the women's soccer team is receiving 20%. And so that the women's team is advocating that uh, they're only paid 38% of what the men are being paid. They're asking for over almost about three times as much money uh, than they're actually getting paid. So that would suggest that they want to be paid 60% of the economy that they're uh, producing uh, for women's soccer. And that's absolutely ridiculous. Of course, it's uh, a slap in the face and it's of course an agenda that they want to change America to be this more progressive uh, utopia, and um, it, it's really it's really a shame. I I don't watch uh, I didn't watch any of the women's soccer, and uh, even though I watch all the men's soccer, and uh, I think if they wanted people to watch soccer, they would, um, you know, be proud of their country because I, I think they're they're losing audiences now. <laughs> oh yeah, there's no there's no doubt about it. I mean these people are. These, this this women's soccer team is really burying their own grave. Uh, IQ, go ahead. Let me ask the, all of you a simple question. As far as I know, biologically, every creature on Earth is territorial and racist in the sense of territory. The word racism now... The, 50 years ago, it covered race. But now, you're a racist if you disagree politically, theologically, militarily, educationally, uh, color-wise. So the word racism, as Rory said a few, an hour ago, is meaningless now. Anybody who disagrees with anybody else is called a racist. But we are all racists. Every single human being on the planet is a racist by nature. 
racist in what sense? Either they don't agree with somebody politically, they don't agree theologically, they don't agree because of color, they don't agree because of race, because, so we are all racist. So when somebody is accusing you of being a racist, tell them, yes, I'm proud. So are you. Gentlemen, what do you think? No, you're, IQ, you're absolutely right. Very, very well said, spot on with your, with your point as usual. Um, you know, I tell you though, uh, you know, we have, a, I too, we have a lot of issues. I mean, you know, you just saw, you know, just, just all these invaders. I mean, like for instance, the protesters this weekend at the ICE facility putting a Mexican flag in replacement of a U.S. flag. I mean, they never thought in a million years they'd be dealing with something like this or hearing about this in the news, you know? But Rory, the buck stops with the government. Your justice system sucks. You have no yeah. justice system. It's true. It's true. It does suck. And the fact that we have all these people breaking our laws and getting away with it should make anybody mad. Right. You have people from Congress, from the House, from the Democrat Party, breaking the law, and nobody is doing anything about it. So why would anybody in America has the right to condemn China for being undemocratic or Russia being undemocratic. You are being undemocratic. True, under the guise of freedom of this and freedom of that, you are literally committing suicide. You, Americans, are committing suicide with this idea of total freedom. There is no such thing as total freedom. We as animals, and I mean, that's not an insult to human beings. We are animals. That's why we have rules and regulations. Because our bestiality without rules and regulations, we will eat each other. This is fact of life. Why are white Americans defending themselves, even yourself? Why are you defending yourself? Without whites, yeah. without whites, that's a fact of life. Without the white race, whether in Europe or outside Europe, Human progress would not have existed. Exactly. Exactly. So if it's, it's exactly, true. why are you defensive? Go on the attack. No, I'm not. I'm just, Ask the I'm other side, what have you this. contributed to human civilization? Ask them. Exactly. Ask the African-Americans. Ask the black Americans. Ask the Hispanic Americans. What have you contributed to human civilization and progress compared to the white people? Come on. Well, I agree. No, I agree. Uh, you know, there, there, there's so many people pointing the finger at the white white man today. It, it's a disgrace. Um, but uh, I do want to say, um, let me let me get everybody's information so they can. We do. We are about to wrap it up. Uh, Kevin, go ahead. Tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, just find me on any social media at Nationalist United. And it's a pleasure as always to be on the show. I can't wait for tomorrow. All right, sounds good, buddy. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, Michael, Michael, tell everybody where they can find you. Michael, Michael Valsley, go ahead. Oh, uh, Michael Valsley at, on Twitter is the easiest way to get a hold of me. Sounds, sounds good, my friend. And IQ, please tell everybody where they can find your book and connect with you. Very simple. Just Google my name, Al-Rasuli, A-L-R-A. Double S, double O-L-I. 
That's all you have Sounds to do. Sounds good. Sounds good, my friend. We'll have you back soon. Thank you, IQ. Take care. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You, you too. Bye. What a show. What a show. It's been a fantastic show tonight. First show back in, in weeks. It's, uh, it's, uh, but, guys, I'll tell you this. Um, it, is, it is good to uh, be back on the air. I mean, it, I, missed all, I definitely missed all of you. Um, I want to thank all my audience, my co-hosts, my sponsors, and guests. Uh, you are the reason the show Keep succeeding. Uh, remember, we're listened to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. Uh, and everybody, uh, we will see you all tomorrow night. Huge show. So much planned. So much to discuss. And uh, I can't wait to share it with all, with all of you. Have a great rest of your night, everybody. I'm Rory Sauter. Mega, mega, mega. Cheers, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.